You might um, look at the title up there and think uh, maybe, maybe he's not sure what month this is. Maybe things look a little different. I, I want to talk this morning um, about giving thanks before Thanksgiving. You, uh, you might be rem- reminded that we've been hanging out in the book of Luke for the last couple of weeks and, um, and came to this passage, and, and I almost just skipped over this passage because I looked in my notes, and, and we dealt with this passage about seven months ago. And usually, that's usually fairly close. I like to be a little farther away, a couple years down the road before we revisit. But, but oftentimes, you hear me say that, that when we look at a piece of Scripture, there are so many ways we can look at it and so many interpretations that we can make. And so I would trust today, um, first, you might not remember seven months ago, but I would trust today that we might look at this, because it has been for me, in a little different light than I'd ever seen it before. So I'd invite you to stand for the gospel reading this morning, Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Jesus said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Be seated. This last week I heard a story of a man whose wife had left him. He was completely depressed. He had lost faith in himself, in others, and in God. He found no joy in living. It was a morning, I think a lot like this morning. It was rainy and cloudy and um, just felt low. And he went to have breakfast at the local diner there, and he walked in, and even though there were people who were were there, it was pretty quiet in there. No one was really speaking to each other across the the tables. But over in the corner, in in a booth next to the window, was a mom and a daughter. And the waitress brought out the food and set it down on the table. And and, uh, as the waitress was walking away, the daughter uh, said, almost in in a yell, I don't think she intended it that way, but she said, Mom, can we say our prayers here? And the waitress who had brought the food turned around and said, Yes, dear, you, you, can, you can pray here. That's okay. Well, the little girl took that as permission, and she stood up on the, the bench of the booth and uh, got everyone's attention and said, Okay, everybody, bow your heads. And they bowed their heads, amazingly enough. And she folded her hands and she said, God is great, God is good, and we thank Him for our food. Amen. And that prayer changed the atmosphere of that place. People who had not been talking before began to talk across the booth to each other. The waitress said, maybe, maybe we ought to do this every morning. And all of a sudden, said our friend, my whole frame of mind changed. That little girl's example, I started to think about all of the blessings of God instead of the places that I was missing. And I chose to choose to be thankful. 
we all understand and appreciate the importance of gratitude, how, how it radically changes the relationships of our lives. In fact, it's one of the first things that we teach our kids. From the very earliest stages of our kids, when somebody gives our kids something, a piece of candy or anything, we say, now what do you say to them? And the child responds, thank you. It's one of the very basic parts of relationship. And as adults, we appreciate being thanked. What a, a joy to have the mayor come and thank us for something that we didn't need to be thanked for. We'd do it anyway. But what a joy to have, have her here to do that. What a joy for us a moment ago to be thanked by the people that we serve alongside of. Yet when it comes to giving our thanks and appreciation to God, sometimes we miss the mark. Next month we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, and, and I don't suppose you would be surprised at all next month to hear a message on Thanksgiving, but, but October? But maybe that's our problem. Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving doesn't surprise us. Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving doesn't call us to live outside of any place that we already are. What if we did a better job of being thankful before the season even begins. This last week was my wife Jamie's birthday, and um, not true. It was announced in Children's Corner Second Service last week that she turned 33. Whoever announced that, it does end in a three. 23 is the number. But as the kids were making the card, and we were making, we were signing, the kids were signing thank yous and things we were grateful for, I thought to myself as I watched the kids do that and, and as we made it, I thought, man, I hope I'm doing a good enough job of instilling in my kids that we don't just say thank you to mom on special occasions. We don't just say thank you to mom on holidays. But I, I hope that I'm doing a good enough job to instill in them that it's how we ought to live our lives. And when it comes to giving our thanks to God, I, I don't suppose there's any Bible story that is so timelessly appropriate than the story of the ten lepers. The story begins, as he entered a certain village, that being Jesus, there he met ten lepers, and they stood at a far distance. Don't ever think for a moment that death is the worst thing that can happen to a person. It's not. And the scene this morning makes the point. These ten men, they walked the earth. They breathed. They ate. They had hopes and fears and aspirations and feelings just like you and me. And yet there was a tragic sense that these are dead men walking. Leprosy was the most dreaded of ancient diseases. It ate away at the body and left a person maimed and disfigured. There is no known cure. Any hope they had for a family life, a useful occupation, plans for a future, was dead to them. The situation made worse because leprosy was believed to be contagious. Now, we know today that's not true, but, but in the ancient superstition, you weren't going to convince them of that. And, and the Scripture made it clear that as the lepers approached Jesus, there was the buffer zone. If you understand the, the Jewish law, there, the, the buffer zone was that, that the lepers couldn't come within about 50 yards or so of anyone else. And, and when they came around, people would yell, unclean, leper, so that people would stay away. It, it said that even people would take rocks and they would throw them at the lepers to make sure they didn't come any closer. Leprosy was a serious public health concern. But it was more than that. It carried with it a religious tainting of uncleanness. So it was that they not only had to live with a physical handicap, but they had to live outside the church. They were isolated. 
They lived, many of them, singularly in the hell of loneliness, which can be much worse than any disease that one would have. Traditionally, we look at this passage, and I think every time I've taught on it two or three times in the last 16 years, I think every time that we've done that, we've looked at at the end of the passage. We've talked about them being thankful after the healing that takes place, and and obviously that is part of the story, but but looking at it again with fresh eyes, I I saw something that I'd never seen, and maybe, maybe you've already seen this, that even in the midst of this horrible situation, even in the midst of the circumstances of these lepers' lives, they had something to be thankful for. In their common misery, they had banded together. They had found each other. They were not alone. It's interesting to note that one of the lepers is a Samaritan. Now, just from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a, a Jew had nothing to do with a Samaritan. He viewed the Samaritan as a dog, as, as worthless, not anyone worth spending time on. And yet the common misery of leprosy had seemed to make these men forget that one was a Samaritan and the other were Jews. Those things didn't matter anymore. They were just men with a need. Some of you might think, well, misery loves company, I guess, and maybe that's true, but you and I both have experienced, we know this, that there is power in fellowship. There is power in community. There is power in being part of a group of people who have a common, a common call and a common need. Even the lepers found that to be so, which I think brings us to the first point I would make this morning. Simply this, in the midst of our problems, there is always something to be thankful for. Some of you might be thinking, well, you don't, that's nice that it's on the screen, that's a nice little saying that you can make, but you really don't know the problems that I face. And I suppose neither do you know all the ones for me. I am sure that, that there are those who would suggest that this time in our nation's history there is very little for which to be grateful And certainly I cannot deny the reality of the problems that exist corporately and individually. And in some cases, in some of our own cases, troubling pains and deep sorrows. But friends, there is no one sitting here today who had it worse than these ten walking dead. And yet they found something to be thankful for. I read this week that the great old hymn entitled, Now Thank We All Our God, was written by Lutheran pastor Martin Rinkard at the time of the Thirty Year Wars in Germany in 1637. It was in that year that 6,000 people in his village died, including his wife and his kids, to the plague. As the pastor of the village, he himself presided over 4,500 funerals. And it was in this year, in the most dramatic and catastrophic personal and social loss, that he wrote these words of this hymn of thanksgiving, Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices. Ever wonder what that first Thanksgiving was like for the pilgrims? I mean, I think we know now that that the, the view we had as a kid with this bountiful meal with the pilgrims and the Indians and all this extra food, we know that that wasn't true. For the pilgrims, half their numbers died in the first year. They had the barest of comforts. They were men without a land. And yet, in the midst of it, they gave gratitude to God. Their Thanksgiving meal was not about the bounty that they had. They didn't have a bounty. Their Thanksgiving meal was a meal out of hope and out of faith. And in a very real sense, it's the same kind of hope and faith that led the Apostle Paul, who was sitting in a dingy prison cell, sitting in Rome, to write these words. First, I give thanks to God 
through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In spite of our circumstances, whether it's, the, whether it's the German pastor, whether it's the pilgrims, whether it's the Apostle Paul, in spite of our circumstances, to be people of thanksgiving. Can I, I just be honest here, I'm, and I'll just warn you up front, I'm going to meddle for a second. I think that we have forgotten some of this. I think that we have forgotten some of this. It, because you know what I hear most weeks from all kinds of sources, personal and, and TV and news, it doesn't matter where. You know what I hear all week? I hear about how much things are wrong. I hear about those Republicans or those Democrats and how the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And I honestly don't even know what a handbasket is. And the things that they say and the things that I hear, they might be true. They might be true. They might be absolutely true. I don't know. But my fear is, is that the people of God are becoming so fixated on the handbasket, they have lost sight of giving God praise and thanksgiving to the God who my children's song tells me has the whole world in his hands. We believed that when we sang it as children. Lord, help us to believe it today. In spite of our circumstances, God has the whole world and us in His hands. I love the picture from Robinson Crusoe. You know, he's, he's marooned on the deserted island. One of the things he does is he makes a list. On the left-hand side of the list is his problems. On the right-hand side of the list are his blessings or the things he has going for him. So he sits down to make the list. He writes on the left-hand side things like, I have no clothes. It's a problem. He writes on the other side, but it's warm. I don't think I'll need them. I've lost all my possessions. But there's a lot of fruit and water here. I'll be fine. And he goes down this list and he finds that for everything he puts on the left-hand side of the page, he has something that he can put on the right-hand side of the page of God's blessing. And he discovers in the midst of no matter how long this list on the left-hand side is, the list on the other side is even longer. I know that it is easy for us in the midst of our circumstances sometimes to become our own little private island of despair. Perhaps it's time that we sit before Thanksgiving gets here and take an inventory of the right-hand side of the page. Even in the midst of suffering, reasons can be found to give thanks. That's the first lesson, but it doesn't stop there. It isn't enough just to, just to be grateful. We actually have to express those things. Look at the story again with me. Jesus entered the village. The band of ten lepers sought him out. Word had already reached them that this itinerant evangelist, this healer, had healed a single leper in a, uh, a community not too far from theirs. And so they approach him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus responds, go and show yourself. He probably responds with the buffer zone there. Probably he might even have to yell. Go and show yourself to the priests. Now, initially, this sounds strange until we're reminded that the priests were also the public health officers of the day. And if a person had some kind of infectious disease and needed to, to be uh, given a clean bill of health, they had to go and show themselves to the priest and, and get a health certificate, for lack of a better term. No doubt the, the lepers were puzzled by Jesus' command. After all, they still have leprosy. It's a little premature 
to go to the priest when you're still sick? Why do I need a health certificate when I have not yet been cured? And yet they believed. And they answered his command. Probably a whole sermon just in that. I don't know how to explain what happens next, but I can't explain how it happens, but I know that the ten lepers are on their way to the priest and, and something does happen. Their, their numbness begins to pass and their, their wretched sores and, and their scarred hands and their, and their scars on their face begin to vanish and their strength returns. Luke puts it this way, and it came to pass that as they went, they were healed. There's probably a whole other sermon in one, one other little word in that sentence. As. As they obeyed. As they went. The healing didn't take place before they obeyed. Before they answered. As they obeyed, healing came. Now, if we were just telling this story for the first time, if you'd never heard it before, we were telling it to a group of kids, I think, I think we'd know how we'd want it to end. We, we'd want it to say, all ten people ran and fell down in front of Jesus and said, oh, thank you, Jesus, for all you did. But we know the end of the story. We, we've read it only One came back. Nine others disappeared. We know nothing more about them. Jesus said, where are the other nine? Will no one return to give thanks to God? You know, when we read this passage traditionally, we like to throw tomatoes at the other nine. But honestly, are they that much different than us? The one does return. He comes back and scripture says he praised God with a loud voice. What an ending. This enduring image of a grateful leper who comes. But but wait, there is one more thing. There is one more bit of irony slipped in right at the end. You, you recognize the one that came back was the Samaritan. This half-breed, this outcast, this Gentile, the one considered unholy shows just how holy his heart is. He expresses his gratitude and Jesus gives him a gift other than the gift that he gave him already. Jesus gives him a spiritual blessing. He says, go, your faith has saved you. The other nine, who were probably all Jews, had been freed from the misery of leprosy, but they were not free from the bondage of the misery of ingratitude. And I am convinced that this small little footnote in the story is there to remind us that God's salvation is for all people, no matter what they look like no matter what they've done. All the people outside of the walls of this place and inside. And for that, we should give God thanks because at one point in our life, we looked like the ones who were unworthy. So as we approach this season and we begin this next month, let us choose to give thanks before Thanksgiving begins. You want to know God's will for your life? Often I get asked that question, Pastor, what what do you think God's will for my life is? I often give the same answer, and you've heard me say it before. The Apostle Paul says, in fact, it says right in God's word, you want to know, you want to know the will of God? I make I listen when that says that. Paul says, Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God.
wonderful in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace
Father, we do give thanks for your amazing love, for blessings that we've missed along the way, for your grace that is not just sufficient, but abundant in our lives. We're just reminded that that while we have a left side of the list, and those are our concerns, and those are our needs, and those are the circumstances we find ourselves in, and God, we give those to you. Those are real deals and real places that we are at and we struggle, and we give them and ask for your help on them. We're reminded today, especially, there is a right side of the list. And God, forgive us for forgetting that at times. Forget, forgive us for concentrating too hard on the left and not on the, on the right side of the list of blessings. Today, we want to recognize that. We want to choose Thanksgiving. In the middle of whether it's a valley or a mountaintop or anywhere in between experience in our life right now, we, we want to choose Thanksgiving because we want, to, we want to follow in your will. So take us from this place as we turn our eyes towards Jesus so that others might this week see in us something different because they might know the load of the left side of the list for us, but God... In the midst of that, may they see the hope we have in the right side. The hope that we have that we are not a people bound by our circumstance and that our joy is not dependent on the place in life we find ourselves in, but our joy fully rests in the God who holds the whole world in His hand. As we go from this place, we go in Your joy and in Your peace and we choose to keep our eyes on You. In thanksgiving we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you as you go.